Well, I'm happy to be with you this morning to share the word. Uh, Michael is still out on sabbatical, and uh, today is uh, my turn to get to fill his shoes. And he has a lot of shoes. Everyone knows that. He has great-looking shoes, so it's nice to fill good-looking shoes, okay? And I'm glad to be here this morning. I'm just glad that uh, I have this opportunity to share with you from the Word. Now, today is, of course, Memorial Day. Well, it's not actually tomorrow's Memorial Day. This is Memorial Day weekend, and we, in Memorial Day, we honor those who lost their lives serving in the armed forces. And if you're here today, and you lost someone that you love serving in the military, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for sharing your family with us so that we could enjoy freedom here. And if you've served, I just want to say thank you. If you have family members that have served, I want to say thank you as well. We are grateful for that today. And for many of us, Memorial Day is also a day that we, just, we look back on those that we've loved. We remember. And I want to ask you this morning, as you think back on those who have gone before you, for, for those who have already passed away, what do you remember What comes to your mind when you begin to think about those who've already gone? You know, Memorial Day, it's it's, it's an opportunity to focus on our memories, but it's also an opportunity for us to think about legacy. And legacy is something very, very important. We experience the legacy of those who have died today, but we are forming right now, all of us, we are forming a legacy right now that others will experience later on when we're gone. So let me ask you this, what kind of legacy will you leave? That's our question today. What kind of legacy will you leave? And here's a key truth I want us to see this morning. We're going to focus on legacy, and our key truth this morning in focusing on that is that the legacy you leave will be formed by what you love. The legacy you leave will be formed by what you love. And today we're going to see that from Scripture. We're going to see from Scripture how our love steers our legacy in different directions with eternal ramifications. This morning we're going to see the contrast between loving the world and loving Jesus. And we're going to use someone in the Bible, we're going to focus on him. And he's someone that is, he only has a small portion of Scripture that talks about him, but he teaches us a huge lesson. Now, so we're going we're gonna to go through the Bible and see these three verses that tell us the story of a man named Demas. We're going to start together in Philemon chapter 1, verse 24. Philemon 1, 24. And you're about to, if you've never heard of Demas before, I wouldn't blame you. He, he, again, it's very much a small portion of Scripture But what we see today is huge. Philemon 1.24 says this. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. Okay? I know, gripping stuff, all right? Stay with me, all right? This is really exciting. Demas is part of... Paul's salutation to his letter. So he's listing off some people who are working with him, and we see the name Demas. First time we see him right there, okay? Then we're going to go over to Colossians. Colossians chapter 4, verse 14. Colossians 4, 14 says this. Luke, 
the beloved physician greets you as does Demas. Okay, and I know what you're thinking. Michael, don't leave this guy in charge ever again. But we're getting there. Here's our last verse that we're going to see Demas' name in. 2 Timothy 4.10. I'm actually going to start one verse before it in verse 9. This is probably the end of the last letter Paul wrote, to the best of our knowledge. He writes this to Timothy. Do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia. Titus to to Dalmatia. Demas has deserted me. First thing I want us to see this morning about legacy is that loving the world will leave a legacy empty and broken. Now we see that. We see the entirety of Demas' story in these three verses. And we don't really know a lot. We don't know a lot about him, where he, came, where he comes from, what his maybe role was in the ministry of Paul. We just know he was there with Paul along with others. We see him when he writes to Philemon. We see him in the Colossians letter. And then at the end of Timothy, he says, Demas has abandoned me, has deserted me. Something happens along the way, and Demas makes a change. Now, presumably, Demas has gone through some stuff with Paul. He's gone through joys, sorrows, but they've been on the missionary journeys together. But something happens, and Paul describes it. He says, he's he's deserted me for this present world because he is in love with this present world. And we don't even really know what that means. Paul doesn't give us a specific, hey, he went to, you know, because of this or that. He just said, in love with this present world. And so we don't know specifically what that is. But we can understand what Paul is trying to say by the words that he uses here. Now, Paul uses the word in love with this present world. That word love there, now remember, in Greek, there's several words that describe love. And not just the fact that there's several words that describe love, but there's different ways to use the word that give it more meaning or more weight. And when Paul uses the word in love, when he describes this present world, it's not very meaningful. It's cheap. In fact, there's a man named Walter Liefeld who wrote a commentary on this, and he describes this as something that kind of resembles... Esau in the Old Testament. Now, many of us may, if you've been to vacation Bible school, any time in your life, you've heard the story of Esau. In the Old Testament, there was two brothers, Jacob and Esau. They were the grandsons of Abraham, the sons of Isaac. Jacob, one time, tricked his father Isaac into making him think that he was Esau by putting on like these hairy goat sleeves because Esau was this red-headed, hairy-armed individual, okay? And Isaac had become blind, but he could recognize Esau by feeling his hairy arms. And so the story that we all know really well, if you've been around Vacation Bible School or if you've been in, in church at all, is that Jacob was trying to steal the blessing from Isaac 
by putting on these woolly sleeves so that Isaac would think this is Esau. What we don't often hear, though, is before that. And I want to read that story to you just real briefly this morning in Genesis 25. In Genesis 25, we see something that happens before that. Because if you just think that, man, Jacob, what what a terrible thing he did right there to steal the blessing of Isaac from Esau, that's only part of the story. We have to understand what happens in Genesis 25. I'm going to start in verse 29. We read this. Once, when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, Let me eat some of that red stew, for I am exhausted. Therefore, his name was called Edom. Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. Esau said, I'm about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Now, was Esau really about to die? No. We have to understand, he's being sarcastic. Jacob is trying to see how important Esau really thinks his birthright is. Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. What Esau had, he was the firstborn, he was the oldest, he had the birthright. Now this means not just some financial inheritance, okay? Esau was set to receive the the main portion of the inheritance from his father, but he also had this birthright, this family name, this carrying on the line through you. And in a bigger sense, too, God had promised through Abraham his spirit and his blessing, and that was going to continue through Esau, but Esau thought nothing of it. When it says Esau despised his birthright, that language means Esau didn't think what he had was worth anything. In fact, he thought of it so little that he traded away everything that mattered for a bowl of soup. Because he was hungry. Because he couldn't wait long enough to make something on his own. He couldn't skip a meal. That story leads us into the rest of Esau and Jacob, but that describes the love that Paul says Demas has for this present world. It's something cheap. It's something where Esau traded something incredibly important, something priceless for something that would fade away. In fact, something that went away quite quickly is he probably gobbled down that soup. And that's what Demas has done. He's traded away something temporal, something temporary for something eternal. It's cheap. It's cheap love. And that's the legacy of Demas. Demas, you you got three verses in the Bible. And the last one we see of you is that you've traded everything that God had for you because you're in love with this present world. And the, the word present in, that, in this present world, Paul is very specific in that. He's in love with things right now, things that won't last for eternity. 
And that's what we see. That's how we remember Demas forever in Scripture. That's how his legacy will be. He loved the world and what the world could offer, but it left him empty and broken. And it also left others around him empty and broken too. So in this first thing that we see that loving the world will leave a legacy empty and broken, we must turn away from loving the world and recognize the difference between things that bring temporary pleasure rather than eternal satisfaction. Let me describe it in another way. Have you ever heard of the name Steve Bartman? Steve Bartman? Do you know who that is? You may not have heard it, but if you're from Chicago and you are a Cubs fan, you may know who Steve Barton, Steve Bartman is. Uh, I'm a Cubs fan. I'm not from Chicago. But when I was growing up in Ada, in the summertime, we had WGN. And so on TV, if I watched baseball, it was either the Cubs or the Braves. And I chose the Cubs. And I just became a Cubs fan and have been one ever since. However, I haven't felt the sorrow of a real Cub, like a Chicago Cubs fan, right? They, they didn't know what a World Series win was like since 1908. They didn't know what it was like to win the National League since 1945. But in 2003, and we all know in 2016, right, the world rejoiced because the Cubs won the World Series again. But in 2003, they got close. Now, you may not remember this story, but it may come back to you as I tell it. In 2003, the Cubs were in the National League Championship Series against the Florida Marlins. They were up three games to two, which means if they win the game, they're going to the World Series. They win the pennant, going on. They're up three-nothing in the bottom of the eighth inning. They've got one out, left, one out, two outs left to go, and the batter hits a foul ball, and it's going to the fence line, and the outfielder, who is Moises Alou, the outfielder goes to catch the ball. I wanted to show this this morning, but I wasn't sure if I'd get in trouble by, because it's on the internet. But the, you can go watch it. You can go Google Steve Bartman. You can see this happen. He goes to catch the ball, and there's a guy, young man, wearing a Cubs hat. He's got headphones on, okay? And he reaches out to grab the foul ball. It hits his hand. He doesn't catch it, for one thing. It hits his hand, and it rolls down to the ground, and it prevents the outfielder from catching the ball. What would have been in the second out of the inning didn't happen because of Steve Bartman. What happens next is only what happens to the Cubs, right? They go on to lose the game. It just falls apart. It literally goes off the rails they lose that game, and they lose the next game, and they don't go to the World Series. Now, before that night was finished, many bits of food and beverage were being thrown at Steve Bartman. In fact, I remember, I watched this on television. I remember seeing him walk down the hall and just things flying at him, and police were escorting him out of the building. In fact, someone got a hold of his name and address, put it on the internet, and police had to stay at his house because people were mad. They were mad at Steve Bartman. All because he wanted a foul ball. He wanted a souvenir. He tried to reach out and grab something that in the grand scheme of things 
didn't really matter. He would have gone home with a baseball, okay. But instead, the Cubs got to go home and not go to the World Series. Now, there's more, like, I think that, I think people moved on from that eventually. The Cubs said, you know, it was more than just him, but the legacy of Steve Barton is that. That is his legacy. And you know what? That's what our legacy, that's what happens to our legacy when we love the world. When we love those things that bring temporary satisfaction. We reach out for something that's meaningless and we trade it for something priceless. Let me just say to you, husbands and wives, that other man, that other woman will not bring you joy. That will not bring you satisfaction. That will bring you temporary pleasure and that is it. All the money that you make by neglecting your family won't fix anything that really matters. And running from where God is calling you will leave you broken and empty. All of those things that you might think brings you happiness, brings you satisfaction, will leave you empty. Only Jesus can fill us. And that brings us to our second point today, that loving Jesus will leave a legacy full of life that never ends. Look with me in John 10, if you will. In John 10, Jesus is describing himself to his disciples. And Jesus gives us the answer to this, but where to put our love. We should love him. He says this, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him. For they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus said again to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus is the good shepherd who left his glory above to give his life for us so that we may live. On our own, we could not experience eternal life. On our own, we are like Demas, trading eternity for things that fade. And on our own, our sin condemns us to hell, an eternity apart from God and apart from all of his goodness. Without Jesus, we'd have this life, and then that's it. And then we'd be separated from him for eternity. And all of those that we love. But through Jesus, we can experience life that never ends. In fact, he says in John 14, 6, that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except 
through me. So this morning I need to ask you, have you ever put your faith in Jesus? Have you ever given your life to follow him? Really given your life to follow him? Because if you haven't, you do not have the hope that he promises us. You have not possessed the life that he has to offer. You're trying to do it on your own. And you will not make it. And don't think that I'm just talking about eternal life here as well. Loving Jesus is about eternal life. Life that never ends. But it's also about life here and now. And that's why we call him the good shepherd. Because he's leading us. He's leading us to fullness of life here and now. Abundance. He says that I come to bring life and life to the fullest or more abundantly. He brings us abundant life. He's not trying to restrict us or rob our joy by leading us away from things that we think will make us happy, that we think will bring us joy. He's trying to lead us to the things that really will fill us. Because everything else, I mean, the world is trying to get our love. The world wants our love. It wants what we have to offer. But Jesus is trying to lead us to something better. So ask yourself today, do do I really love Jesus? Have I ever put my faith in him, really? Or am I really still loving the world? We must put our love and trust in Jesus for life today and eternal life beyond this world. I want to read to you just some words from Paul. Out of Philippians 3... Verses 3 through 11. Paul writes this. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss for the surpassing, for the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead." Listen, to, to make a, a cheap rhyme this morning, Paul had it all, okay? He just gave us his resume, and it was good. And he even said, listen, this is a good resume. I had everything. He had status. He had career. He had the, the motivation to keep going. And what did he say about all that? What did he compare it to? Rubbish. Now, we have the word rubbish in our Bible, The Greek word here 
is much stronger than that. In fact, I can't really say what it says because there are children in the room. But he says, compared to what I had and what I have now in Jesus, what I had before is meaningless. Because he knew that loving Jesus and putting his faith in him would give him a legacy full of life and life that never ends. That's what it means to love Jesus, is to see everything else as trash compared to him. Finally, we see when it comes to legacy that loving others will leave a legacy that leads people to Jesus and changes lives. So remember, we're thinking about where our love is, where, how it forms our legacy. When we love the world, it leaves us empty and broken. When we love Jesus, he brings us fullness of life, life that never ends. And when we love others, our legacy leads people to Jesus and it changes their lives. I want, to, I want to point you to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. And Jesus talks about this love in that passage. Starting in verse 8, Jesus says, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another, as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. We love others because Jesus loved us. And when we love Jesus, we will love others. When we serve Jesus, we will serve others. Loving others leads people to see Jesus in our lives. It, gives, it, it displays the reality of who God is when we live out his goodness to others. Now, there are a great many people in this world trying to make a difference, trying to change lives, and there are things that do good. There are some great endeavors in the world, but everything falls short. Nothing is complete apart from the love of Jesus. Real change only comes through the transformation that Jesus brings. Jesus even says the greatest way we can do this is by laying our lives down for someone else. I mean... Think about Memorial Day. That, 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 that's why we celebrate it, because people laid their lives down for others. Jesus demonstrated this for us. He did this. He said this to people, to his disciples, but then he goes and he does it. He lives it out. He laid down his life. These are not empty words. And, you know, many of us, we may not have the opportunity to lay down our lives for other people physically, but we can laid down our lives every day by serving others, by giving our lives to serve, out other pe- serve other people the way Jesus has served us. Let me ask you this. Do you want to leave a legacy for your family that leads them to Jesus? 
then serve them. Give up your life for them and serve them. If you want your children to follow the Lord, then show them what that means. Don't just tell it to them. Don't just bring them to church, but show them what that means. And if you want your friends and family to hear about eternal life through you, then show them what it looks like when Jesus saves you. When I was young, this verse, John 15, 13, this is, God put this in my heart. I, I, I felt this call of God on this verse and I grabbed onto it and I held on to it. I knew that I wanted to love and serve others and to make a difference for a long time. But now that I have a family, this verse has a whole different meaning. It brings a fullness of meaning to it. It speaks even louder to me because each day I want to serve my wife and my daughters giving everything I have to them. Because one day I will be gone. I'll close my eyes here and wake up and open them in the presence of the Lord. When I am gone and they look back, I want them to remember me, but I want them more than anything to remember Jesus at work in my life so that they can look to their lives and serve others and experience Jesus through them serving others and give everything they have to him. And that only happens when I can serve them and show God working in my life. Show them the reality that the things that I say are one thing, but it's true because I'm saying it and doing it. Now, I don't always win at this. I fail at this a lot. But this is the call that God has put in my life, to serve them with everything I have. And God is calling you to do the same. Your family, your friends, those that you work with, he's calling you to love others. And so, let me ask you again, what legacy will you leave? We see that loving the world leaves a legacy that is empty and broken. But loving Jesus will leave a legacy full of life that never ends. And finally, loving others will leave a legacy that leads people to Jesus and changes lives. What legacy will you leave? Because remember our key truth, your legacy will be formed by what you love. Where is your love? This morning, consider that. Where is your love? What do you run after? Are you pursuing eternal things or things that fade? Don't be like Demas and give up something incredible. Don't give up the eternal for something that fades for this present world. Love Jesus And love others. Let that form your legacy and give you a full life. Today I want to ask you what the Holy Spirit is calling you to do. Again, have you ever given your life to Jesus? If you haven't, today you can. Today you can put your love where it really matters. And love and trust Jesus. Experience the forgiveness of sins that he offers. Experience the fullness of life and eternal life that he wants to give us. And maybe today the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart about getting it in the right direction, about putting your love where it really matters. Maybe you've been in love with this present world and it's time to turn from that. 
It's time to turn away from that. I don't know what happened to Demas. We don't know. We don't know if Demas went off and lived out the rest of his life running from God. Maybe he was restored. And, maybe, and let me tell you this. Maybe you've been running from God. You can't run far enough. He wants to restore you today. He wants your heart to be in the right direction. He wants you to love him and love others. In a moment, we're going to have a time when we, we sing and, and we're going to thank Jesus for what he did for us, for his legacy and giving his life for us. And during that time, there's not going to be anyone here at the altar, but the altars will be open. And you can pray. You can spend time with the Lord here, where you are. But whatever God is calling you to do today, don't say no to it. I'll be around after the service too if you want to visit more. If you'd like to follow up with me or one of our staff, we can, we can set that up too. But we want to make sure that today we do not say no to what the Holy Spirit is calling us to do. I'm going to invite you to close your eyes, bow your heads with me. And as we pray together, I'm going to invite you to take a moment in the stillness, in the silence. And I want to invite you to be bold and ask the Holy Spirit. Ask Him to show you where your love is. Ask Him to show you where are you calling me? Ask Him to show you what changes are you asking me to make? And finally, ask Him to show you what your legacy will be. And as we spend a few moments singing, this is a time when you can worship the Lord, but you can spend time with Him, letting Him speak to your heart. God, we thank you. God, we thank you so much for all you've done for us and for the hope that we have in you, for loving us first and showing us what real love means. Help us to not love those things that are fading, temporary, but God, point our hearts in the things that matter, in the eternal. Give us courage to make a change, to follow through where you're calling us, to turn away from those things that we're chasing after that we think will bring us joy. Give us courage just to say, yes, Lord, wherever you lead. Let's stand as we sing together this song, thanking Jesus for what he's done.